Welcome to The Savvy Founder, the one place for entrepreneurs and business owners, away from the everyday bustle, where we help you find your path to a profitable and bright future. Now here's your host, The Savvy Founder and armchair sociologist himself, Philip Topham. Hello, welcome to The Savvy Founder. I'm Philip Topham. Uh, the armchair sociologist and uh, uh, the savvy founder himself. I'm really happy to have uh, Norman Falkenberg uh, here with me today. Uh, he and I have been working together for some time um, and Norman comes all the way to us from Germany. So welcome, Norman. Yes, Philip. thank you very much. Um, yeah. Uh... Thanks for inviting me to this uh, to this interview and podcast. So I'm very excited to to take part in it, and yeah, it's great to to be in exchange with you. Yeah, Norman, you you know, as as we've gotten to know each other, you know, uh, it's kind of like an onion, as you know, this keep finding out layers. Uh, you 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 are uh, a very successful businessman in. The consulting arena, and we'll get into what that is. But you decided to go on this entrepreneurial journey, and so I, I'm going to ask you to describe that a little bit. But for our audience, why don't you give a little bit about your background of how did you come to get into the consulting range? You know, because you're, you know, that's even a journey of starting a business there. Help them understand what that is, and then and then the new journey that your the product that you're building. Yes, of course. I'll, I'll give you some, some insights of my background, um, but I will not start with the consulting itself, uh, rather with some, some uh, points in my career I would like to share. Uh, first of all, I was um, starting an apprenticeship in, at Deutsche Bank in Germany. Um, so I learned the, the banking from, from, from scratch, yeah, working in the securities business and um, after a while, I dis discovered that the IT systems of Deutsche Bank, were, they were very underdeveloped. So um, almost nothing to do with, with uh, user friendliness or even guidance for, for end users. So I decided to, to study computer science. And so I ended up with a degree of computer science in, in Frankfurt. And with this combination of, of experience rather from, from the banking industry and also the IT uh, infrastructure, which are relevant for, for the banking industry, I decided to, to found a company with a partner together in the consulting business. So this consulting company, Concedro, is- hey, Hang on just a second before we get into the consulting. You, you, you said you did an apprenticeship. So, right, United States doesn't have apprenticeships. Can you, you know, was that a formal program that you, you went yeah. to and they, they teach yeah. you specific skills? Help, help, help the audience understand what that is. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a little bit like a training program. So um, when you start your career, you will, you will be leaded through all the departments in, in the bank. So it was um, a bank um, subsidiary in nearby Frankfurt. And uh, you have to do uh, almost everything. So starting with a typical uh, accounting job in um, at, at uh, typical bank accounts, cash accounts, for instance. So having, having client contact, 
uh, they will ask for some topics, maybe to make some money transfers, and you have to help them to, let's say, fill out some forms, yeah. issuing the transfers, and so on, and then step by step, went through all these departments. In that process, besides the sort of the skills of the job, the technical skills of, you know, the mechanics of accounting or filling in forms or engaging with people, how much time and energy was spent teaching what we call soft skills, the communications, the writing, the working with people? Was that part of the apprenticeship process? Almost no. Almost no. Almost no. It was rather the uh, how the bank follows its own processes, so to, which uh, rules and, and regulars you have to follow, how to handle um, the, let's say, the business processes in, in the banking IT systems. And we were not taught how to interact with, with the client and customer. Mm-hmm. They were some internal programs where you were um, teach how to sell the bank products to clients yeah, right, rather right. from bank perspective, but not really the other way around. So how to ask people really what is their need and how can you solve it? So how did you learn that? that yes, that's, a, that's, that's a critical skill for entrepreneurship, right? Right. That's very important. And so... Um, I felt very uncomfortable in the situation because the the banking uh, thoughts in in, in, in in Deutsche Bank were only the other way around. How can we sell our products to people and not the other way around? What is really the the need for all these people? And I asked several times, would there not be more, uh, let's say, business um, to be generated if we would more concentrate on, on uh, the client focus. And they said almost, no, we are just selling products. We're not really interested in, uh, in asking for, for all the, the client's demands. It was very curious for me because I didn't, I didn't understand why this is the position of the bank. And so I finally decided that this kind of job just selling, not asking for, for the purpose uh, of, of the client and why is it so important to, uh, to sell it to the client. I, I really didn't understand this. So I left, this was the reason why I left the bank. Right. Because this, my, yeah. my mind is rather in a way that I would say, I have to understand what, what is a client need. Mm-hmm. And I, would, I have to understand how can we solve this uh, problem in a, from a client perspective? So, so in, from my perspective, that's like an inquisitive mind. Like that's an active mind trying to figure it out. And the bank was trying to get rid of that inquisitiveness. And you said, no. Exactly. And so you got the computer skill, with the computer degree, and then you naturally went into consulting. So let's, let's pick it up there with the consulting business. And, right. right? Exactly. So when I when I started my 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 computer uh, science career in at university, I uh, always talked to my my current wife. Um, I would like to have a job where I'm talking and consulting people how they can use technical infrastructure and maybe get 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 the machine done what they would like to. And uh, so that was the reason for, for studying computer science and afterwards founding a consultancy company for, for this. And in the, in the consultancy, 
um, I was able to establish exactly what I think is very important in our consulting projects. We are doing the projects in our clients. Um, I have to admit this are banks and financial institutes. So we're, <laughs> we're helping our clients to, um, to, to improve their own infrastructure and business processes. And um, nowadays, this is very important because it's a very hard competition between banks here in Germany, also between asset managers here in Germany. And I think meanwhile, worldwide, a hard competition. And so it's very important that the bank are working very efficient internally and also very client-oriented. So we set up several, uh, let's say, consultancy product, products, like for instance, to check if the, uh, how is the client experience with the bank overall? Which contact points do they have? Is every contact positive for, for a client? And is then finally the bank really uh, capable to understand what the client wants to have and is able to, to sell the appropriate product service. Today you call this CRM, yeah, that you have a customer centric model. And, uh, but this is, let's say many banks have a CRM system, but they are not using it really concentrating on client needs. And this is what we try to, to improve uh, in our consultancy business, uh, besides all kind of infrastructure uh, efficiency projects we have. Right. And, and how big is Concedro now? You know, how many consultants have you you've built it up from, from you? Yeah, we started uh, 10 years ago. It's um, con uh, many consultancy business in Germany, so a very hard competition. And we have, we have a let's say, uh, a war of talents in Germany. So it's very difficult to find good experts who also have uh, client-oriented thinking in their, in, their, uh, in their mind. And uh, we are approximately 25 people now. So 25 experts, which are, uh, yeah, we can, we can send them to any bank. So if it's Deutsche Bank or Commerzbank, or uh, large asset managers like EWS or Deka Bank, so uh, big sizes in Germany. So our experts are able to go inside a team uh, or even, even alone and will always do their uh, well, uh, very well recognized job. Our Thanks. company has been rewarded um, several years for being one of the top 30 consultancy companies in Germany for the banking business. And we we're very proud of it. Uh, meanwhile, the only problem was uh, when we were rewarded, we suddenly had many headhunters, which gave us calls and trying to, trying to get, <laughs> get some people out of it. <laughs> so did you, when you got the award, did you immediately you know, tell the people you had to raise the prices? Otherwise the their, their projects would, uh, you know, uh, find they had no people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, before we segue into the technology that you're, you're building, the, the new startup, uh, what advice would you give to, to, you know, your, um, to the process of starting, you know, a consulting business? We, we glossed over a lot of that, but, you know, what did you, what, what, takeaways did you learn from that process 
that is uh, going to help you with your technology business. Yes. Okay. When we started our consultancy business, it was very important that you have, uh, first of all, an existing network of people um, in, inside of banks who you can contact with. And um, when you contact these people, it's very important that you give them a, a good value proposition. And our value proposition was that we know the bank processes and that we are able to, let's say, design systems and, and automation processes and analytics, which, uh, which are state of the art. And so we, when, we, when we promised them we could do something for them, we could improve their, their businesses, we were really able to deliver that. And that was very important because our reputation was growing. Yeah? And besides, we also put some emphasis on building a brand. So we did many, uh, many conferences and seminars in, 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 the, in the banking industry that our brand was known. We have written many articles in, in, in industry magazines or even in newspapers so that, that our names and our brand uh, was, was recognized and that was very important. So you yeah. have to concentrate on having a good value proposition. So to summarize it, you're doing well with the clients and you're telling everybody you're doing well. That yeah, yeah. I, I, I use the phrase. There's a couple of things that you said, and I think they're they're worth repeating. And and having a really good existing network, right? Building relationships with people is just time. It's free, right? It, you you yeah, you know, a lot of coffees. Maybe you're buying a lunch, um, but it's something any entrepreneur can do to create those relationships and build them. And they don't take, they don't happen like one meeting and you're done. You have lots of meetings, lots of conversations, right? Exactly. But it's free, right? Did you, yeah. did you need to go, did you need to go talk to a banker to get a loan to go do the networking? No, you just did it, right? Exactly. And so I, that's, that's a key message I really want anybody starting a business to understand is that your relationships that you build are critical to your success, whether it's finding employees, finding customers, finding somebody to a channel partners, that's free. It doesn't require an investment banker to, to do networking. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and you shouldn't be shy for, uh, for getting contact with, with maybe new people because it's always interesting um, that you, you have a story to tell. If you have something new, a business model, you have a story to tell. And you have a very good chance and opportunity you should use because you can verify if your value proposition you would like to provide to the market is really a market demand. So in these contexts, you can ask them if you would deliver such a service or such a product. Would they be interested in this? Is very good and very important to have a client response, even if he's not buying it, just to verify that you really have a good value proposition for for the market. Yeah, great, great, uh, great advice. Um, and the second thing you said about that was the building the brand and the the visibility, right? Exactly. So, right, that visibility piece. Um, I, I, I say um, 
visibility begets visibility. Having visibility attracts people to you so that it's easier to have more conversations and naturally grow. If you're, yeah. you know, if you were building your business in the garage and never talked to anybody, it would just stay in the garage, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's very important that, as I said, uh, do something very well and talk about it. It's very important that your knowledge or your, your brand or your, your product is, is known very well. And you should use different channels how to, to make it visible. So, so I'm, yeah, I, I'm a, I, I had this thought, and I'm sorry to interrupt. You know, it just it just struck me, right? So you're a very technical person. You have a very technical background, and technical people are not, um, as a group, nor known for networking. So, so right. how, how did you develop that skill? Were you naturally, you know, always willing to talk to people, or did you have to learn that skill? I would say I have learned it because um, when I was was young, I was a little bit more shy, yeah, a shy guy, and I was not very uh, well able to to approach people and yeah, starting starting conversation, even if it's small talk. So it was not really mine. But um, I got the feedback that I have to tell something. Yeah? And um, people were interested in listening to me. And I was able to, to, um, to recognize this. So I opened my mind a little bit. And I got the, uh, let's say, the well feedback that um, when I was talking more, uh, people were even more listening to me. So you have to open yourself a little bit to be... That that you will be um, that you you as a person become a certain shape, yeah. That your 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 contact is able to see. Okay, what kind of character is this? Is it is he sympathetic? Do I want to talk with him? And then you have an interaction somehow. Yeah? Yeah. And interaction builds trust. Yeah, and it gives also some self confidence. And that was the way how I learned it to approach people. I had to open myself and I discovered, okay, yes, I got uh, many, many valuable contacts to, to people and even, even bank directors and bank um, advisory board members. So they were interested in talking to me and said, okay, let's talk to them. So this was a process of from getting shy to um just be just be open, and even um, if if the contact is not valuable, it was always interesting to talk to somebody. So I'm right. open mind really, and maybe I'm not the typical technical nerd as you'd you'd think. So this is a learning process. Well, well, you no, know, you and I share that. You know, I would have been generally a shy person when I was younger, um, and. I certainly got to a point in my career saying, Hey, I don't understand people. You know, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm a smart guy. Let me, let me use my brain to think about people. And that put me on that journey of being comfortable talking, you know, I've moderated all sorts of things. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a learned skill, but you, you know, something has to get you to go, 
hmm, let me let me think about this, right? And pay attention. So for all those technical founders out there, um, you can build your network. You can go from shy, from an introvert to a very comfortable person speaking with people. So it's, it's, it's great to see that. So let's switch to the Fin Semantics and your technology that you're, oh. Can I make can, just one final remark? Yes, absolutely. Just one final remark, because if you have an idea about a new business, and you want to uh, set up a startup and, and do the business. You have to believe and to trust by yourself that you can make it. And this is very important because if you don't believe yourself you're doing it, and you're not able to convince other people. So uh, you have to trust yourself a little bit that you're the right person and you can bring it forward and then you will be successful. And this is my, one of my biggest learnings I had. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. So, excellent. So, um, How about Fin Semantics? Yes, absolutely. Fin Semantics. So okay. Give, us, give the audience an explanation of what, what it is. And um, yes. it'll, what, what business problems it's solving. And then, then we can geek out a little bit on the technology a little bit and, and yeah. why is it so different? Yeah, exactly. The idea of Fin Semantics was, um, yeah, I discovered this topic uh, in, in my consulting projects. So I had several projects, uh, clients on site struggling with, with data problems, mostly combined in their data warehouses or big data environments but sometimes also in their operating uh, systems. So the, um, not the dispositive, but the operating systems. And when they were exchanging data, they struggled many times in, in wrong data, which are not, uh, let's say, reliable and put really high effort in, in correcting data. And so I, I discussed with several, several in, uh, let's say, IT managers of the clients would they not be able to implement something which uh, could help them detecting errors in, in the data and maybe correcting the errors? And there, uh, all, this, all of these guys said, no, it's almost impossible because it's very complex. The data, is, data relation in between is very complex and we are not able to set up uh, so many rules that would be necessary to really do a data correction in such complex environments. So that was the idea and I thought about it and so so let me let me let me let me paraphrase. So tons of data everywhere. Data gets moved around and when it gets moved around it mm -hmm. creates errors and everybody thought the only way to fix those errors or find the errors is to is to just do a lot of checking in a rules based like you know, oh, this should be a male or female. Let's just make sure it's male or female in the database. And they called it good. And Norman said, hey, they all say that it can't be done. There's got to be a better way. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. That's, oh, that's excellent. That's, I got well, it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> great, great. So um, my thought was, um, this is really a hard job if you really have to program everything because the environments are changing quite frequently. So you have to something con configurable. 
And my idea was to implement a system which is able to build the relationships between all these data in a configurable way and then program a research algorithm that is able to, to follow all these relations and to check if the data is related correctly. And then from this detecting the error and if they're connected in a way that you can follow all these relations, then have an automatic way to find the root cause error. So trace the errors back to the original root cause. And um, the biggest problem was, okay, how can I do this? Which technology will I be using with this? And I found a technology which is really, really well suitable. These are graph databases. And so I, my idea was, We'll combine, we will we'll, uh, load data into a graph database, yeah, uh, using the pathwise relations of all these data to follow data errors, to combine uh, analytics methods also from artificial intelligence to detect the all these errors, tracing it back through the uh, past and have a correction possibility here, which is set directly at the root cause, really eliminating the error and doing this automatically. And this system uh, is, um, we were not sure if this would be feasible. So we made a, a proof of concept implementation that this is really working. And this was uh, the birth of FinSemantics. Nice. So, so the, the you know, the, again, the the traditional way of databases, you know, the, 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 you know, rows and columns, and then the new technology graph databases, which is all around connections, you know, connecting one thing to another, not, not yeah. in specific rows and columns. And so because they're connected, you're able to trace everything through the system, right? Exactly. If you, if you organize data, typically like in, in SQL databases and rows and columns, you have always to have some keys which are yeah. combining tables to each other. Got to do a lot of work to make it work. <laughs> this is not necessary because you have direct relation between the data and you have a network between the data and suddenly you can discover topics which are not feasible in, in relation to databases. So in that process, um, you, 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 had the, a bit, you had your existing business um, you saw a problem and you said, hey, let's go try solving this. And so you were able to use your own resources to do that, right? Exactly. Right. So this was a good, good opportunity to, let's say, bring together the banking skills and the technological skills. Uh, and we used our own resources to, to build this proof of concept. Exactly. Right. And, and you're now at the point, though, that you've proven your technology with the proof of concept and you're now scaling the business and you're you know wanting you're looking you're raising money to expand the business and here's where i'd like to ask you the question you know from a from a german perspective european perspective in the united states silicon valley is known you know around the world right it, it created lots of companies and lots of huge companies um, and there was the 2000s, the dot-com era when, when the internet was birthed, and then the dot-bomb where all these companies went out of business. 
but there's still this sort of myth that I think that I, and part of the show is about, um, there's a lot of people believe in the Silicon Valley myth that you can have a conversation with somebody that's wealthy in a coffee shop, pitch your idea and uh, in Silicon Valley, and you'll walk away with a $5 million check. Is that myth, you know, do you believe that myth is true? Have, do, is it in existence in, you know, do you know, Germans believe that's how Silicon Valley works? What, what, what's your opinion on that? <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I know this myth very well because um, from Germany, the Silicon Valley is very, very attractive yeah, because high technology, m many inventions come from there. But I would say um, sometimes um, Germans are a little bit more realistic. So, and this is also my opinion, M maybe there is the case that we really have a coffee shop talking about something and it is working that way. But in reality, it's more hard work to really to get into contact with an investor because you have, it's not, not a coffee discussion. It's always the case that you have to explain yourself that you have uh, explained the product, the market, the investor wants to know uh, in what activity is investing. So you have to explain it very accordingly. You have to, let's say, make him comfortable and sure that this will be a working business model. And so I would, I would say the, the myth is, is really a myth. Maybe there were some times where this was possible and, and Google shows that it's able to it's still possible yeah. to build huge companies, but it's really hard work to, to get into a startup. Yeah, where, where I see that, um, you know, so 2000, it's now 2021, 20 years. And so I recall sitting in a conference by John Wayne Airport, listening to the economist from Chapman University explain the value of these companies. And he went on to say that the value of these companies was based on the number of eyeballs that a company could get. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't based on the cost of acquisition or the long-term value that we use today, but they were talking about, hey, if you, if, if you build it and get a lot of eyeballs, that's worth a lot of money. Uh, you know, a short time later, we, we had the, the crash. You know, I, I remember sitting in the audience going, this is crazy. Um, but during that period, before the bomb, uh, people were getting money for just pitching that. And to this day, there's a lot of um, serial entrepreneurs that, that made success or made money from that time. And they sit up there and go, do what I do, you know, you know follow my footsteps. And they forget that they got a big, huge check for not a lot of work. And, uh, and so this show is a little bit about saying, hey, there are a lot of people that had that good fortune and it's great. They had that good fortune, but the reality is it's a lot of hard work. So that's, exactly. that's how I look at it. Yeah. So in, in the hard work you're working on, so what's next for, for fin semantics? What do you, what do you, you know, next? Yeah. Our, our next uh, topic is this. Um, we, we decided to, um, to start the business in the United States, yeah, which is a big step for a German company. But our thought is um, very, very easily explained. This technology can be used anywhere in financial institutes because it's, it's configurable. 
And the, the data inside of banks are mostly the same in the United States than in, in Germany or in China. And so we decided that the United States is a very interesting market for us. And it's, the, it's still a very good, uh, let's say, country where you should, can build a startup. Yeah. Um, and that's the reason why we decided let's go to, uh, to the United States, setting up a company there. That's what we did. And we are currently in the phase to acquiring money for uh, building, building the, uh, the business really as, a, as a, an American startup serving the uh, financial industry in, in the United States. Right. So, so for anybody that's listening out there, you know, you know, Norman, you have a tremendous number of connections in the European marketplace. You're coming to the United States. You need more connections in the United States. So reach out. We'll, we'll get your contact information later and they can connect with you. Um, as you look forward uh, in, in building your business, what, what are the what are the skills, you know, what, what, you know, somebody that's following in a tech startup like yourself, what, what do you think is the, the, uh, been the biggest surprise to you so far in building this technology from the idea when you, when you first said, Hey, I'm going to try this proof of concept. And you sat down at the computer console and started coding to today. Uh, what's the, what's the biggest surprise for you? I would say the biggest surprise for me was um, when you build a slide deck for an investor, the, your solution and the technical part of the solution is only one, two, or maybe at least three slides of it. Uh, everything else is more related to, to, to other topics which are important because uh, you have to answer many questions in that slide deck, which are not really related to your product or technology rather than to the market, to the business model. So you have to think about how to, how, what, what is really your business model? So who is paying for, for, for something? And are you able to serve this market? How do we really approach it and do this? And um, how will you set up the company in total? Because it's not only technology, you have to, you have to sell it. You have, to, uh, you have to make it visible. And all these topics has to be, been cover, has to be covered in, in your slide deck, besides the financials. And of course, also some, let's say, benefit for the investor itself, which you should explain and not he should explain. <laughs> Yeah, this, you know, um, so thank you for sharing it. You know, it's, it's the, the, the pitch for, for the business is a, is the, is about the business, you know, and the technology is, is the second part. And, and, um, you know, even, even, um, uh, with all your success in the consulting business, helping these huge companies improve their processes and all the skills you had, that that shifting the mindset to that investor marketplace, it is. It's it's one of those like unwritten things, and that's where I, I think Silicon Valley and the investor community does a poor job of explaining and teaching those skills. And so I'm glad that you're sharing that. You know, focus on the business and not not the technology. I, I you know, uh, with all that you've built. Um, the, the technology will just work. And, you know, I've already done the proof of concept. So, yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah, and it's very important that the investor understand that this business is can do well. So it's very important to to really explain the business model and tell the investor why this business model is is very interested and scalable and is valuable for him also to take some risk. Yeah, and then if you're able to explain to this, then it's he will be interested and say yes, this is a business model I like. And by the way, I like your technology. Right, exactly. It's uh, get them to say, "Tell me more. I like uh, it. I like it. It's going to make me money. I want more." And uh, you guys are smart, so you'll build a product that works, <laughs> right? But more importantly, you'll build a business that works. So, um, with that, uh, is in. In comparing your consulting business to the startup that you're doing, um, what's the biggest thing that you've learned between the two? If, if... Yeah, uh, the consulting business is a very, um, let's say, people-driven business. So when I'm selling a client project, I'm in reality selling me and my person. Mm-hmm. So that's very important for uh, for a client to understand would he like to work with me as a person in such a project yeah? is he do he trust me that I will solve his problems and my biggest learning is it's exactly the same situation with an investor also because we get, besides the technology and the business for him it is very important who am I as a person so the team which he would like to invest in is this team do, has he trust in the team that this team will solve this and it's also people business and it's more people business than I originally thought so my biggest learning is it's very comparable yeah but totally different kind of business but very comparable in that sense yeah people 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 people, people exactly yeah so Norman, thank you. It's been wonderful to to hear your perspectives and your journey and what you've learned. I, I really appreciate it. And for you in the audience, this is quite the gift. Um, if you're already have your own business and you're trying to think about doing something entrepreneurial, Norman has shortened your learning curve a whole lot. If you're technical and need to learn how to do, you know, be more people oriented, he's shortened your journey. So appreciate that, Norman. How can people get in contact with you, Norman, and how can they learn more about your business and what you're trying to do? Yeah, first of all, um, we have a website, finsemantics.com, of course, which, is, um, which, uh, which comprises some contact data of me. And yep. my email address is norman.falkenberg at finsemantics.com. Yeah. And yeah. if you if you would like to make some contacts, maybe you can also contact Philip Topham. He would maybe be able to hand over some of my contact details. Oh yeah, no, the, all the contact information will be put in the show notes, um, yeah. and so you'll have Norman's uh, connections. So, thank you very much, Norman. Um, so, thank you. This is a savvy founder. Wishing you a bright and profitable future in both your personal and business lives. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and check out our website for tips, thesavvyfounder.com. You can also follow Philip on Clubhouse at The Savvy Founder, wishing you a profitable and bright future. Safe journeys. See you next week.